Welcome to the Celtics Noise Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Manakis, and tonight we welcome in, fresh off a break in a full sweat, biting our nails through a monumental Game 2 victory over the wilting Toronto Raptors, we welcome in a man who is off confused on Twitter from Michael Wilbon, a long-standing member of the Belly Rub Boys, Shamar Moore's lesser twin, and my best friend since I was two years old, Will Weir. Welcome to the pod. What up, what up, what up? Yo, like you said, fully still sweaty. So amped up from game two. Just started a quarantine challenge, and I was going to pass on starting tonight. Yo, immediately as soon as the game finished, grabbed the sneaks, ran out for a mile run, flying high, ready to go, baby. <laughs> did you actually time your mile? I did. It, was, it, it wasn't great, man. I'll be honest. I, I was like half like debating throughout the fourth whether I was going to do it. And the way the game ended, I had too much energy. I was like, it's now or never. It was, it was a 9-10 mile. So like I said, it wasn't great. <laughs> paced it we're we're taking it slow i just got back from vacation so we're getting back into it i love it i love it man i'm the same way i was so anxious throughout the whole game like there were a couple times during the game i was like why do i put myself through this like i i'm so miserable right now because i'm so anxious watching this game i'm gonna hate it if we lose so like right after we win the game i'm freaking out i run downstairs I got my like little perfect push-up set up. I just bang out like 50 <laughs> push-ups really quickly. I grab a bowl of frosted flakes and I'm just I'm in heaven, man. These Celtics are just whew, they're killing it right now. I gotta ask you, man. Have you watched the game with with Danielle, your girlfriend, yet? Because as someone who's now living with his girlfriend, she's now experiencing me in my element. And I feel like every time I look out of like the side of my eye, she's like half watching the game, half hanging out, we were eating dinner. Like, I think she's starting to realize I'm a fucking psycho. <laughs> uh, I have watched basketball with Danielle. No meaningful games yet. Uh, today was actually Danielle's birthday. Um, so we shout out spent, Danielle. Shout out Danielle. I spent all weekend with her. Um, we hung out last night. So woke up this morning. We're hanging out this morning. Um, but we had, we had, we started off with work this week. So, um, she knew it, she knew it was Celtics night. Um, <laughs> if work hadn't gone so late, I probably would have went over there to kind of throw her into the fire watching the Celtics. But she tells me, I'm like, Hey, do you want to watch basketball? And she's like, I don't really care about watching basketball. I just like want to watch you watch basketball. Cause she thinks it's funny. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think we're almost like uh, it's like going to the zoo or something. You know what I mean? Just watching us like I'm like banging the table. I'm biting my nails. I'm slouching. I'm sitting up. I'm like sitting on the floor at times. And like half the time she's like, so we're winning. And it's like, yes. But then why are you like look miserable? And it's because it's just the anxiety of everything that's going on in the situation. And obviously just the playoffs heightens every single moment of that. I mean, dude, we've watched so many big games together over the years. Um, for listeners out there, Will and I literally have been best friends since we were two and we were roommates for about half a decade down here in Austin. Um, I can vividly picture your face in an anxious moment watching a, a sporting event. You got the, your, <laughs> it almost, <laughs> it reminds me of like when we were little kids and you got in trouble or something like that. You get these like big wide <laughs> eyes, your, your mouth like tightens up. You almost get like a little pouty lip. Your, your eyebrows kind of go up and furrow a little bit. It's great. I could picture that perfectly, man. 
yeah, I got these emotions that sometimes just like slip out. They're not like even like real words or it's not phrases that I would normally say or it's just like noises that come out, man. It's this is one of the things I try to explain to people that sometimes don't understand, you know, people like us that are just super passionate when it comes to sports. It's like, you know, it's the same as when you go to a movie. And sometimes you might walk out of a movie, but it made you feel something. You don't know if you love that movie, if you hate, but it made you feel something. Sports will always make you feel something. It makes me feel just something new. It's, it's like a rush, man. It really is. I mean, I can, you, you sound like you, we just like uh, got into some illegal activities, man. You're sounding good. <laughs> I, feel, I, feel, I feel just as good. Um, but let, let's get into uh, kind of talking about the game a little bit here. Um, so, you know, we came into game two really expecting Toronto's best shot, man. They're, they got the heart of a champion. Um, they got a whole bunch of guys that, as the broadcast mentioned a couple times during the game, like these guys, uh, they don't have a lot of like high draft pick pedigree or anything like that. It's guys that have really had to uh, kind of cut their teeth working their way up into the league. And they're gritty, man. So in the first quarter, you know, they came out, they started hitting some shots. Um, we were about to fold and then Tatum started carrying us. And when Lob Williams came off the bench, man, and I know everyone calls time him Lord, time, time, time Lord. I've always been a Lob Williams nickname guy, still trying to push that. <laughs> uh, but it was amazing to hear Stevens be so effusive in his praise. I don't know if you caught the end of the first quarter interview. Were you watching at that point? I was watching, but in, in full disclosure, I was still at my uh, my day job, so I had the whole thing on on mute, kind of doing a little uh, secret triple screen action. So uh, I didn't get to hear the the Stevens comments. If you can give me a quick uh, summation, I mean, dude, he's first of all his his interviews are usually short. He just wants to coach the game, yeah. but he he spoke glowingly about Williams the entire time. Obviously, the sideline reporter asked him because Williams had such a big big impact what he thought of Williams's play and he was just like we pretty he he saved us he literally said he saved us we wouldn't have been in the game if it weren't for him because we weren't matching Toronto's intensity in that first quarter and when he came in the game he changes things from an energy standpoint and from a verticality standpoint um and you know Stevens said it all man like you never hear Stevens be that effusive in his praise of anybody yeah, so quick question on, on Time Lord, because I think he's been Time Lord, Lob Williams, whatever you want to call him. Uh, you know, in the bubble, he's been one of the biggest surprises for the Celtics. He's been consistent since he got into the bubble. He's earned himself into the rotation. Just do you think this is one of those, and this is going to be something that we end up looking back on the NBA as a whole, was that just like a weird bubble moment in that player's career? Do you think this is something real that we're seeing with, with Rob Williams right now? Well, you know, I, I think he's always had the talent, right? The question was, one, could he stay healthy? And two, could he learn the game fast enough so that he was processing what he was seeing in front of him and he wasn't just playing purely on instinct? And I think that, um, you know, being in the bubble is, is an environment conducive to these younger players just being able to focus on basketball. And I think that's so important for him is he doesn't have any distractions like, I mean, Time Lord, if he shows up late to a game in the bubble, <laughs> we, got, we got a bigger problem. To right? be fair, he, he showed up late to his first day of work, so nothing's out of the question. That's, that's a good point. Uh, but the, I, I think that with, with Williams, what we're seeing is the manifestation of his talent and his promise. Um, 
whether or not that's long term remains to be seen. But there's no reason to believe that this guy can't produce at this level um, with, with increased opportunity. Yeah, he's right now. So amazing. I know uh, they were talking about on TNT. He hasn't, or not, excuse me, not TNT, as ESPN tonight. Uh, he hasn't missed a shot in the series. I know it's all dunks, but that's still impressive that he hasn't missed a shot in this entire series. And, you know, like you said, in that first half, without him, this could have been a game where Toronto had that momentum that might have propelled the second half. And we might not have been able to catch up like we did. Yeah, it kind of had a, a feel like one of those games where the ball wasn't quite bouncing our way. And I was like, oh, this is one of those games that the Raptors are just going to pull it out. It's going to be super frustrating. And we're going to look back at all these different plays like, oh, if only that layup had gone in or if only we had decided to put the ball in Tatum's hands rather than in Marcus's hands or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially one one moment I'm thinking of, it was right before Smart went on his crazy Smart run, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, Jalen had a pretty easy layup and he he missed it. I think he was taking Gasol Gasol to the rim. Yeah, uh, he got a rebound, and then he—I think he missed like a left-handed layup. And when that one rolled out, I was like, "Hmm, this might not be our night." But you know, that's that's Marcus's time, though. That's that's yeah. when Marcus, as we've seen with him, you know, we lived through a lot of frustrations with Marcus, a lot of great times, but a lot of frustrations. These are the moments where you know, you and I were texting during the game where Marcus is like, all right, if no one else is going to do it, whether or not it always works out, he's willing to step up and say, I'm going to be that guy. And he was that dude tonight. Absolutely. Let's kind of set the stage a little bit. You know, Celtics were controlling the game up until Toronto went on that little third quarter run. So it was 64-64 with 545 left in the third quarter. And then the Celtics just go ice cold for the next three minutes. We end up down 12. Mm-hmm. 78-66 with 246. But one thing that we've seen throughout these playoffs is our defense is just locked in. So we hold the Raptors scoreless from 1046 left uh from 246 left in the third to 1046 left in the fourth, you know, so about 4 minutes. Mm-hmm. And within that time, you know, that's when Jalen missed the layup and that is when Marcus decided to go full Marcus. Full Marcus. This was the epitome of a Marcus game. You always know what you're getting with Marcus on the defensive end. And there's a play I want, I don't remember the exact timing that I want to talk about later that I don't, I don't think was really properly acknowledged during the, during the broadcast, but most, maybe one of the most classic Marcus games that I can remember hitting five threes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, what do you so as you're watching Marcus hit the first one, right? Are you immediately thinking to yourself like, "Oh, here here come at least two more Marcus heat check shots." Like what's your initial thought process there? Well, the thing is with with Marcus, I always usually feel like and tonight's a little bit of an exception that you can at least see it coming to a certain degree. Like it sometimes, especially with his offense, it sometimes builds up a little bit. He was off. Like, I'm talking like when he lets the, let some of his shots go in the first half and even in the third quarter where he's open in the corner and it's clanking like side rim almost like to where the backboard and the rim meet, like just ugly looking shots. It's like, I don't know if tonight's going to be that night. So I did not see this coming. 
what you know obviously once markets hits one i think we can reasonably expect him to take to take another one on the next possession and if he hits that he's certainly firing up that next shot i think that's one of my favorite little celtics moments is when you just regardless of how we get the ball you know marcus is taking a three and it's a really exciting moment because you know it's either about to bring on just he's that type of guy that when he gets it going it then sets off the whole team so you know that if he gets that shot to go or he gets a couple to go in a row, that that could change the entire momentum because he's that type of player. Absolutely, man. And just thinking about his, you know, why he was off in the first half um, or up until that point, you know, so much of what he, you know, he brings so much energy on defense. So, like, he's not always going to have his legs for his shot on offense. But with him, he's he's not – a he doesn't have bad form on his shot or anything like that. When he has his feet set, and usually when he's moving towards the basket or at least moving towards his left, his, his feet are set and he's able to be on balance shooting it. What I've noticed a lot with him is when he takes those shots kind of fading off to his right, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, if he's hot, those shots will go in. But if he, if he hasn't hit a shot yet, anytime I see Marcus taking those three-pointers kind of going off to his right side, I'm expecting the, you know, the ball to barely graze the rim. But those five shots that he hit, you know, for the most part, he was squared up to the basket or he was moving He was moving to his left. And that's something, you know, people that are listening, just keep an eye out for that whenever Marcus is shooting those threes where his uh, body position is. Yeah, and, you know, with, with Hayward out, this is the area where Marcus needs to be big. You know, he didn't make a, uh, a ton of shots in the, in the last series, which didn't necessarily matter quite as much. But, you know, in this series, this is where the loss of Hayward is going to stick out like a sore thumb and you know we need Marcus to be scoring in this in this particular series to make up for that loss of Hayward we're not going to get by in this series without it and if you look at it you know 19 tonight 21 in game one uh, he doesn't necessarily need to always have 20 points but he can't have games where he's scoring you know two to five points and we're just getting the defense he has to be an offensive weapon and so the more that he shows what he did tonight and what he's been doing so far at the beginning of this series the more it's going to open up the rest of the the offense for the Celtics and make life difficult for the Raptors I agree man you know with with the Celtics especially with Kemba being so off for the first three quarters um Jalen has so much responsibility on defense in this series I'm I'm really not expecting a huge output from him offensively in this series because mm-hmm. he's got to lock down Siakam. He's doing a hell of a job with that. Um, but, you know, the scoring's got to come from somewhere. And if it's not coming from Marcus, I don't really know where else it could potentially come from. You know, with, with yeah. the Celtics going uh, Lob Williams over Canner, you know, Williams might get those eight points or ten points on uh, rim runs or something like that. But we're missing – a, a pretty steady offensive output from a guy like Canner because Tice isn't going to really bring you anything on offense. He might hit the occasional three or, mm-hmm. you know, but he, I mean, he's not really much of an offensive threat. Wanamaker is not going to do much in this series. Uh, Semi. Oh my God. I don't think Semi's going to see the court again, these playoffs. Um, <laughs> our, our, our dream of Semi being in the rotation is, uh, is rapidly dying. Oh, I was I I was so high on Semi coming into the series. You know, he shot thirty eight percent from three this year. He he reworked his shot. I'm like, man, if Semi, he had a he had a really good game one, but I mean, he took those three three pointers and they weren't even close today. And Stevens was just like, I can't I can't do it. 
I can't play Sammy and, anymore. And he doesn't so, give you enough in, in other areas where you saw that huge offensive rebound by uh, by Grant Williams on the 1-3 that Smart missed in the fourth. Grant comes flying in from the corner, grabs the rebound, kicks out to Tatum. They get that three. We're not getting that play with Sammy in the lineup. Yeah, that's the one where uh, Tatum kind of faked the pass and stepped into it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that was an unbelievable play by Grant. But, you know, like if, if Jalen's not giving you 25 points and Kemba's off, Marcus has to be the guy and you never yeah. want to rely on Marcus to, to be the offensive uh, machine. But I mean, we needed him tonight, man. We're going to need him throughout the rest of the series and hopefully we can get Hayward back for Eastern conference finals. If we make it that far. Yeah. I mean, without, without him and Cantor realistically, and assuming I, I don't think Cantor's going to see the court very much in, in this series and rightfully so. And that's, you know, that's a gift and a curse. One of the beauties of having Rob Williams and Cantor is that you can kind of go matchup based with them. But like you talked about, you know, Cantor not playing, Hayward not being there, you're probably looking at somewhere from 25 to 28 points nightly that isn't touching the court in this game. So Marcus is going get, to keep getting those shots and, you know, two games down, two games to go to move on, and he's got to keep hitting them. Yeah, and earlier you had mentioned a play that didn't get a lot of uh, conversation on the broadcast uh, that Marcus made. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I can't remember the, uh, the the exact time frame, but it was it was him and Tatum uh, defensively. They had a switch up toward um, up toward the wing, right right above the three point line, right by the Raptors up, bench, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it ended up being a play where Tatum they made the switch. Tatum got a deflection. Marcus got in there and punched the ball ahead. Just a classic Marcus Smart play. Got it ahead. It was a Tatum and Kemba two on one. Uh, ended up giving it up to Kemba. And I don't know if it was an and one or not, but I know Kemba got the layup in. And it was a huge point late in the game. And, you know, along with just streaky Marcus Smart, that, that's the typical Marcus Smart. That's the classic Marcus Smart in the, in the other sense of it. Classic Marcus, and you know that he's going to have this streaky game. But then the classic Marcus that you get every single night in and night out is just those type of defensive plays that you don't see from anyone else. And I, I don't think it got acknowledged on the broadcast, but I thought that was one of the biggest plays of the game was just Marcus punching that ahead to Tatum to get that two-on-one. And not even to mention the the greatest defensive play that never was. Oh, my God. The strip <laughs> on Siakam at the end of the game where he goes a perfect outlet pass to Jalen for a fast break, but his toes on the line. Oh, man. I was like – I was listening to uh, the Ringer NBA show, and Kevin O'Connor had mentioned, like, Marcus is going to have these defining uh, play, defensive plays in, in maybe in these playoffs or definitely at some point in his career. And, man, with increased opportunity, we're seeing more and more of Marcus Smart just having his fingerprints all over the game. And I was really – I mean, I was so sure that Marcus had saved that ball without stepping on the line because that's such a Marcus play, right? Nobody else yeah. makes that play. Everybody else, you know, strips the ball or commits a foul there and, and kind of keeps it moving. But Marcus is like, all right take my time, slow down, behind the back dime to Jalen that would have been a fast break and probably would have sealed the game at that point. But, man, Marcus, I, we, we can't even talk enough about Marcus Smart. That's just what he does, man. Those are the plays he makes. In the NBA, you know, in a lot of NBA promos, you see uh, that play from the Clippers game earlier this year where yep. Marcus saved the ball going out of bounds and then threw it off Kawhi's foot. You know, that, that's a regular occurrence. And I don't blame you for thinking that he saved it for a minute, too, because I thought he did as well. Yeah, man. I, so shout out, Marcus. We love you. We trust you. In the words of Brad Stevens. Um, 
but we could spend all all, all yo hold on real quick Greg before you go on I gotta I just gotta say shout out to my boy Twan the record's intact we can keep it moving but I gotta make sure if my man Antoine's getting a shout out on an ESPN broadcast in the playoffs it has to be recognized I just did a little shimmy oh you know me too well (laughs) um so you know so that's a huge win for the Celtics um some other some other things I was just thinking about as I was watching that game. Um, Stevens, man, is he out coaching the coach of the year right now? Pretty pretty significantly. What do you think? So, I, I mean, I would for right now you have to say yes. And I, and I wanted to make a point that I'm not gonna lie, I was a little jealous that that you brought up on Twitter that you got to before we had a chance to hop on here. And you know, one of the things that that I that I saw was when they were moving Tatum off the ball and doing trying to get that switch with him off the ball as opposed to him having the ball and trying to get that switch. Because they have that they have Lowry matchup and they've been really seeking out Siakam. And that's something that I wanted to ask you about because you're you're the coach in this relationship here. Is did you see because I know you liked Nurse originally putting Lowry on Tatum. Did you see Stevens trying to actively seek out that that Tatum Siakam matchup to attack? Well, I, I don't know that that was necessarily the game plan. I think the game plan was to just get Lowry off of Tatum. Okay. And I don't know how they went about targeting Siakam. You know, you don't want to go at Ananobi. Ananobi's their mm-hmm. probably their best overall defender. Um, and I think with Siakam, you know, he is a little foul prone. That might be part of it. He He's a, probably a better uh, team defender than on-the-ball defender. And it looked okay. like Tatum just felt comfortable going at him. You know, he it, did, man. Whenever, whenever they got the switch, like I didn't necessarily think the Celtics were like, get Siakam on Tatum. But whenever that happened, Tatum just cleared out. Because there were a couple times people kept like looking at Tatum, like, do I, do I need to go set a screen? And he just waved them off like, nah, I got this, man. Like this, this guy can't hold me. Um, I mean, culminating with that, Another great play that never was where Tatum made Siakam fall and then missed the floater <laughs> in the lane. <laughs> yeah, so that I mean, I, I think that Siakam is just one of those guys that, you know, he has all the tools to be a great defender. But I, in, in this case, I think priority number one is just get Lowry the hell off of Tatum because Lowry mm-hmm. is such a great isolation defender. And he's, he's just pesky. If Tatum's going to try and go pick and roll as the lead ball handler. Lowry is, you know, he's a pro at defending in, in the pick and roll. And Tatum, this year is really the first year he, he became a primary option as a ball handler in the pick and roll. So Lowry's got all the little tricks around the screens to maybe strip Tatum or, you know, give him hell. So I think that was a really good adjustment, putting Tatum as the screener. Yeah, and I mean, it, it was one of those things where, you know, like I said, I was jealous that you you picked up on it before I had a chance to uh, to jump in. But that's but that's just kind of like a Stevens mo type move. Those little things that I feel like his mastery comes a lot in stuff that happens off the ball and away from where your eyes tell you to look as as someone watching the game. You know, I think back originally to the Isaiah Thomas teams and really, you know, he made it obviously super popular for, hey, let's hide Isaiah at all times. No switches mm-hmm. for Isaiah, constantly moving. And this is kind of a, a similar type idea, but then obviously uh, on the offensive end where it's, hey, we're going to go get our best matchup for Tatum, but we're not going to do it with him with the ball in his hands. So you got to be watching that away from where your eyes are telling you to look as a viewer. 
Absolutely. And I think that, you know, the Isaiah Thomas scheme, a lot of the same principles are in effect with Kemba. Kemba's a little bit bigger than Isaiah was, moves his feet a little bit better. Um, just overall, just a better defender, especially with his ability to take charges. But the Celtics, you know, their little, uh, whatever you want to call it, their scram defense where um, the moment Kemba is stuck in a post matchup, you'll see the moment the ball is entered into the post, the Celtics just switch them out, right? The ball's in the air and Kemba mm-hmm. will just sprint to the opposite corner and they'll, they'll switch out some size onto the post, um, which they did a couple times today. But yeah, Stevens, yeah. I mean, the guy's a mastermind. He gets all the, all the, all the love for his ATOs, which, you know, he should. But I think so much of what he does during the game, you're right. It, it you know, you, you might not be trained to look off the ball as a viewer because it's a, you know, ball dominant league. So you, you just want to watch these magnetic personalities with the ball and you don't realize all the all the little idiosyncrasies of the game away from it. That's a great observation by you. Um, but I, another thing I want to talk about with Nurse, man, like I haven't watched the Raptors enough and I haven't watched Siakam enough. But down the stretch, the last couple of games and seemingly throughout the first two games, he, he's just like force feeding Siakam the ball in the post and in any key moment, it seems like they're looking for Siakam and he did not, you know, bring home the bacon tonight mm-hmm. at all in those last, especially when he stepped out of bounds in that last play, which was weird to me too. Down three, you run a misdirection to the corner for Siakam to shoot a corner three. And, you know, Ananobi had been four for five shooting threes. Lowry was 0 for seven, but he's a better three point shooter. Van Vliet's a better three point shooter. Ibaka had been hot all game. Like, I don't understand why they're running that play for Siakam in that moment. And it just seems to me as a coach, I want to put my guys in positions where they will be successful. And isolating Siakam against Brown, Smart, or Tatum doesn't seem to be putting Siakam in a position which he will, which he will succeed. Yeah, it, I mean, it comes down to just, is Siakam that guy? And, and there's nothing wrong because Siakam's a great player, but he might not be that guy that guy that's just going to be the one at the end of the game that you're like, all right, you said bringing home the bacon. Go ahead and get it. Go put us on your back and go ahead and and bring this tight playoff game home. You know, and I I think, you know, obviously people can say BS. I know a lot of people are are high on the Raptors and and they're an unbelievable team. Nick Nurse is a great coach. But my biggest reservation with them is I don't know if Siakam's that guy. And you can, you know, he put up 30 points in NBA Finals. I can feel more confident in Jason Tatum. He doesn't have that on his resume. So for those that that say the Raptors are, are a team that could be the one to challenge the Bucks and come out of the East, you know, before the playoffs and all that, I was always skeptical because I just don't know who's that guy at the end of the game that's, that you're going to if you're the Raptors. You know, they don't have one necessarily – go get it for you, go, you know, go to scorer. And I just, I just don't know if, if Siakam's that guy. And maybe that's what we're finding out is that last year when he was in that number two role to Kawhi, maybe, maybe that's what he is. Maybe he's a star, an all-star, but he's more fit for that number two. Now, it's a long series. Nick Nurse is a great coach. This could change. Siakam's a good player. But, but right now, that's what it feels like it's kind of looking like, right? Yeah, and, you know, it, there's something to be said for – having that that star like all-time great star in your team like a Kawhi where so much of the other team's game plan is built around stopping that one guy you know so you're doing so much not only just like you have the secondary defender guarding you 
and you're you're doing a lot of work, you know, against a rotating defense. But the other team just doesn't have the bandwidth to prepare for you as much as they're preparing for a Kawhi if if they're on the same team, right? But once you take Kawhi out of the equation, now the Celtics seem seemingly are like, all right, how how can this team beat us? They can beat us if Lowry and Van Vliet beat us in the pick and roll. Okay, let's just remove Canner from the equation. Now they're not going to be able to do that as easily. Now once we've done that and we're long and in their airspace, the next thing we have to worry about is Siakam. Siakam loves playing in the post. Go ahead. If you want to beat us in the post, go through the chest of all of our great physical defenders. And if you can do that, we will live with that. But we're willing to bet that you're not that guy, as you're saying. And, you know, he's not he, – he was – up until last year, Siakam wasn't even even considered an all-star, all-star caliber. Last year was really the no, first year. He, he was the most improved player last year. People didn't see any of that coming, what he did last year. People were more prepared this year, and he came out blazing hot to start the season. But you can look at the stats. It has cooled down considerably since, but they're a strong enough team that they made up for it. Yeah, for sure. And I think with, you know, with the age of their stars, you know, Gasol is old, and now he's fat again. <laughs> what what, he's not, what let's happened be, there? Let's be clear. He's not high school fat. And if you don't no, know that I mean, picture, dude, just type he, in Mark Gasol high school. What what is up with him, man? He looks like he looks like he's wearing an adult diaper. I mean, man, he's thirty five, and you know, thirty five is not old to me and you. But in NBA years, that's pretty old, man. I mean, not everybody's Chris Paul and LeBron. Uh, most people that you know came into the league with with their draft class, I think they're the only ones left. Or you know, Melo and LeBron from that that uh, 03 draft class, they're the only ones left. You know, Marcus All is the same age as those guys. He's the same age as everyone else that's on TV commentating. <laughs> man all, all i know is he looks fat that's that's all i know and um you know lowry's 30 but he's 34 as well so he's up there yeah um i think this is this is a series that you know it it, it might it might be a quick series man like the celtics have looked like the better team um and they've looked like the better team pretty much all year against the raptors save for maybe one game I think I don't have the the numbers in front of me, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure they only beat us once this year. Yeah, they beat we, us pretty we, good. We went three, I think it was three and one in the regular season. Won these first two games, and you know you're right. It, it looks that way. Um, I'm not going to count them out yet. Very different scenario than last year when they went down uh, 0-2 to the Bucks in the um, in the conference finals, and then went to overtime in that game too. So we're very nearly down 3-0, and certainly weren't going to come back from that. Um, but, you know, minus Kawhi, all these dudes were on that team. Pretty much everyone that's contributing in their, in their rotation was on that team. So I don't think this series is over yet. I'm not ready to say it's over yet, but, you know, you got to feel good. Um, but it gets back to what we said. If, you know, back to Marcus Smart, man. If Marcus Smart is going to score 19, 21 points, going to hit, you know, five or six threes per game, yeah, it's, it's pretty much going to be a wrap because I think, you know, even on a night where Kemba was off, you saw what he can still bring to you in the fourth. You can't give up for a second on Kemba. Kemba loves these type of moments. So I think with Tatum, Kemba, and even Brown with the, you know, extended workload in the defensive end, at, at this point, that's one of the benefits for the Celtics. We feel pretty secure about what we're going to get out of the three of them. And, you know, from, on an off, from an offensive standpoint, Kemba and Jalen probably gave you around the minimum of what you think you're going to get, which is, you know, in that 15 to 18 range. And you're probably expecting a little bit more 
Tatum's got that ceiling where, you know, who, he can give you anything at any given time. And it's really just going to come down to if Marcus keeps making these shots and Marcus is going to hit those threes and he's going to score 15 to 20, then, yeah, it's probably a wrap. But that's got to continue for, for it to be a quick series. Yeah, you know, I'm going to give the Raptors a, a, definitely at least one game because they're not going to shoot as poorly oh, as they shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Van Vliet and Lowry had miserable first two games. Those guys are going to have at least one game where they go off. Um, but Yo, let Celtics. me ask you about Van Vliet. Let me ask you yeah. about Van Vliet because I know he came out. He came out hot tonight to start the game. I think he had 14 of his 19 in the in, in the first half. Did anything change that you noticed to slow him down, or, or is he still just just missing shots? I I man, I've, I said it before. Like I just think the way that the Celtics, uh, you know, when they took Canner out of the equation, so much of what these guards are able to do is against these. You know, when, when they, 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 hunt a, they hunt a mismatch, they take advantage of it, and then they get a rhythm going. And one thing that the Celtics are doing a great job of in this series is just not letting them get a rhythm going. Even when Van Vliet was scoring early, he didn't necessarily look to me like he was 100% comfortable. It wasn't easy for him to do it. You know, he was working to get those points. And he's not a, he's not a superstar, man. You know, yeah. like the game doesn't come – easily to him but sometimes he can make it look easy and the Celtics are just not allowing that to happen at all we're getting we're challenging all of his shots on the perimeter and we're doing a great job with our bigs when when he tries to take a big off the dribble he and Lowry are trying to draw contact and get to the line and they're they're unable to do that and the Celtics aren't biting for anything near the hoop Lowry hasn't really had the opportunity and Van Vliet does this as well. He learned it from Lowry, but they do a great job of just like baiting bigs into, into uh, contacting them like, uh, like Lowry did at the end of the game against Jalen Brown when he gets the line on that one play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I think we're just making it hell for them. We, we've got these guys that are just huge com- comparatively. You know, Lowry's barely six feet. I think Van Vliet's barely six feet. Small backcourt, yeah. Yeah, they're being hounded by Tatum, who's 6'10". And then who's on who's on uh, Van Vliet today? Was was it Kemba? Uh, I think yeah. I think most times Kemba was, was ending up on Van Vliet. Yeah, and, and Kemba just works. You know, he he's working really hard. And then the big isn't leaving Kemba on an island. The big is showing so that Van Vliet. You know, if he had that moment of space against a canner, that that shot window just closes a lot quicker against a guy like Tice or against a guy like a guy like Williams. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I don't for the Raptors, man. I, I they just yeah with Van Vliet, Lowry, Siakam, somebody's got to show up more than they have in these first two games if they're going to get one. And and like you said, I I think they're going to get one of these games. They're they're too well coached. They're too good. There's too many just good players. You know, uh, we both listened to the NBA Ringer show with uh, Chris Vernon. They don't have players that suck. They have good players up and mm-hmm. down their roster. And, you know, they're going to keep fighting. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here in game three. I think kind of the way the Raptors came out in in game one with a lot of high energy, I think is what they're going to do again. And, you know, Celtics didn't have a ton of that to match it in the first, but then they found a way to bounce back, tied it up. And if if they can withstand that again and continue to get the Marcus Smart shooting, could be a quick series. I agree, man. And I think the, you know, the, the bubble element and the lack of the home crowd to, you know, the initial burst of energy in the first quarter is expected, 
But to have that home crowd carrying you throughout the game, that's just not there. And I think with a team that is devoid of upper echelon talent, they, they need every advantage that they can get. You know, yeah, they're well coached, but they don't have anybody that is as good as Tatum. They don't yeah. have anybody that's as good as Kemba. Like, Lowry's good, man. He's a good player, but he's, he's – I don't think anyone would ever call Kyle Lowry great. I don't think you'd ever call Fred Van Vliet great. Like, the word great has definitely been tossed around with Kemba before. He's not – He's not six seven, so he can't carry a team to the title. But mm-hmm. he has moments where he's unstoppable, dating back to his time at UConn. Yeah, man, this the not having home court thing is so big, and it's so unfair to these teams that uh, you know finish one two in their conference. It really does make such a big difference not having having that crowd and just being on that neutral site. It takes away so much advantage, especially when you think of a crowd like Toronto which, you know, the whole we are the North thing, man, they bring it. They bring it. You can you can feel it when you watch those games on TV last year, watching them in the finals. Like, that's a huge element that's missing. I agree. I agree. Um, well, you know what? This was a great game. Um, Celtics up 2-0. We have game three on Thursday, right? That's right. We watching that together? Yeah, man. We're going we gonna to figure it out. I might have to move some meetings around, but we're going to make it work. Have they announced the time yet? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the early game, um, like the 5:30 game Central Time. Okay. But we'll we'll double check it. That we won't bore everybody with our uh, with our dinner plans and our <laughs> abundance of food that we're going to order to watch the game. We'll uh, we'll give them a recap on it next time. Belly rub boys for life. Belly rub boys are back. Celtics up 2-0, baby. All right, well, thanks for joining us. All right, bro. Peace. All right. Thanks for Will for joining us. Um, we'll have another pod up for you after game three. Celtics up 2-0. Shout out Marcus Smart. We love you. We trust you. Here's my band, Black Sheep Optimist, playing us out. Everything I got with the most of it. No coasting here. I've been reaching for the top and I'm almost there. The road is clear. No more waiting for the drop, but the base hit hard. Steady from the start. Shoot the fire for the shooting stars. So they shout my name like, oh my God. Brother Hicks, why like a constant? Don't stop it. Breaking out bars like a convict. This is everything I wanted. Playing in games when I started bombing.